Hey everyone and welcome to episode 28 of the Audience Please podcast with me, your host Adam. So this is a bit of a special end of the year 2020 Christmas special kind of podcast. Um, so we're going to talk about what's gone on in the year in music, uh, specifically some of uh, my favourite albums and I'm going to talk around some of favourite gigs ever and thanks to um, some of the listeners that have sent some stuff in for us. And I've also got a special guest on the podcast uh, introducing my better half, Laura, um, as couldn't, couldn't get anyone in because uh, at least we can not socially distance. So, uh, yeah, what a big up. Yeah, so... How's it, how's it doing, Laura? How's it to finally be on the podcast after all this time? Yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, I've been bugging you for a while. I'm always like, I could do that with you, Adam. Being a professional talker um, and all that. Um, some people who know us all know I am a professional talker. But it's a little bit different when you're a professional talker to a captive audience for six hours a day rather than people who actually choose to listen to you. Because, uh, yeah, for my sins, I'm a secondary school teacher, as Adam, unfortunately, well knows. But, yeah, it's, it's very nice that you asked and I didn't have to break you down <laughs> to be on the podcast. It's no. nice that you asked. That's fine. That's fine. Just um, I've just remembered. Let's try and not use pet names on the on the podcast and no. be creepy and weird. Um, so yeah, we're sat here. Um, I don't know when this is going to go out, but we're sat here on the twenty third. So we are sat in front of the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sat in my death from above Christmas jumper, and we've well, I've got some eggnog. Laura didn't like it. No. So cheers, Laura. Yeah, cheers. Merry Christmas. Do you want to do a cheers? Yeah, let's do a go. little cheers. A festive cider. So to get in the festive spirit before we start. I've also got some crackers, so... Oh, okay. Let's do these crackers. Yeah, we're doing... No, you've got to do the other one. We've got to do oh, cross-armed. Yeah, do like right. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone, if this is too loud. Ooh. Oh, Laura, Laura got I'd both. I'm double-fisting. <laughs> what, what one would you prefer? You want that one. Cool. Okay. Oh, so, you want to put the hats on, do you? Yeah, I want to do the hats and Christmas there's, jokes. There's no presents in these. Yeah, there is. I've got, oh. I've got tape measure. I haven't got a present. Oh, well, that's bullshit, isn't it? Got, <laughs> that's a good start. I've got a, get, I've got a joke. Okay, go on. What's a snowman's favourite game? I don't know. Ice spy with my little eye. Oh, oh fucking hell. Um, I don't know. And um, my joke is, what do reindeer hang on their Christmas trees? Hornaments. <laughs> not even, they're not even horns, they're antlers. Right, Christmas hats on, let's get in the this Christmas room. really small. Good job I've got small head. I can't believe you didn't get a uh, present. Anyway, Where did we get them from? Uh, I got them in Sainsbury's, so don't buy Sainsbury's crackers, everyone. Not okay. that it will matter when this goes out. Um, <laughs> so we've got the festivities out of the way. So... Um, just before we move on to uh, top albums of the year, I just wanted to go through um, some of the stuff that we've done with the podcast this year. It's been really fantastic, and I want to thank again everyone for their support. So um, if you haven't checked them out, the two cover videos are put together. Um, very kindly, my friend Rob helped um, mix and edit those videos. We did one of... Um, Future Left and we did one of Ruben and they were really good fun and thank you to 
um, the Future Left crew for letting us put um, that cover of... Um, Oh God, what's Mancasm. Mancasm. God, I've heard it so many times this Good year. Good job, going, I'm here. Yeah, I've forgotten what it was. Um, yeah, thanks to the Future Left guys, um, specifically Falco, for letting us put that pod, um, that cover up and we raised some money for Black Minds Matter. Um, also put some T-shirts out this year, thanks to John Newton from John. And again, some money went to Black Minds Matter for those. We still have a few of those left if anyone still wants some up on Bandcamp. Um, then there was the Music Venue Trust quizzes and uh, specifically the Mother's Ruin one, which was a real good laugh. Um, you were there for that, Laura, weren't you? The yeah, Mother's that, Ruin. Was that one that I won? Yeah, I think so. No, somebody else won it. It was somebody in Bristol. Oh, right. And they won the bundle of vinyls and T-shirts and everything, which was um, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then we did the hot sauce eating for the <laughs> windmill in Brixton. Yeah. Um, and that's still up on YouTube. So if anyone wants a laugh for an hour, we were joined by Ross from Hot Sauce Pony and Modern Men and Johnny from John. And Rosie. And their and respective partners. Yeah. How, how, did you, how did you find that, the uh, hot sauce eating? I mean, you say that it's still up on YouTube. I think the nuclear arse fallout is still <laughs> happening, even though that was in April. No, it was... It was um, a good laugh and Ross's mate did a really good job of Steve, um, Stephen Gilchrist yeah did a really good job of comparing it which was needed actually after about hot sauce number three uh, when we all lost the ability to communicate properly and um, yeah I was quite surprised with myself actually I did quite well I did better than you yeah which was I, surprising I think I got to I watched re-watched some of it the other day oh, just you? out oh, of my God. own intrigue and I think I got to hot sauce number seven and I started having it I started having a meltdown I was, you did you did like I mean it took I, like I said it took me an hour to calm down afterwards yeah my heart was going mental uh, afterwards and I just needed to sit for an hour afterwards <laughs> um, but yeah it was it was good fun it was it was better than I thought and it's also good um, having seen some of those hot sauces on different stuff that we've been watching as well yeah. like we've had that that blueberry <laughs> one was disgusting yeah it's uh, well I've certainly become a hot sauce fan now I've got a, you co- have. got a couple of hot sauces in the old uh, the old fridge at the moment so yeah that was a real good laugh and then uh, of course we've had the the podcast this year and it's been amazing i've had some amazing guests on we started the year with again talked about the guys from john good friends but we've had um falco from mccluskey and future left which i never thought we'd have um dev from idols i always forget that that happened in april or whenever it was um and it was in April, it was pre-lockdown. Yeah, it was anyway. pre-lockdown anyway. Um, and yeah, so many guests this year. So leading on from those guests, there's been some absolutely... The one saviour this year is all the music that's come out this year. So I'm going to put my top 50 up on socials after this goes out. But just a shout out for... Um, Bands that have been on the podcast this year have released some great music. So we've had Twisted Ankle, Modern Technology, Bitch Falcon, USA Now's Magic Mountain, Sim of formerly of 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster. Um, he released Primitive Ignorant. John, again, John from John released Total Wickets, um, Heads, uh, Modern Rituals, Goddamn, Mountain Caller, Sugar Horse, Heads, Hidden Mothers. And that is just, that's 
a big chunk of my top 50 but there's so much more great music and we're going to go on to my top 10 in a minute but yes yeah, so much good music is there any other shout outs from you laura this year before we dive into my top 10 before we dive into yours um yeah. stuff that i know kind of some stuff that floated around your top lists but also stuff that was nowhere near your top list great stuff that's come out this year so uh, I know it's been bigged up by a lot of other people, but Code Orange's album that came out at the beginning of the year was is one of my top albums of the year. Absolutely phenomenal uh, underneath, because that's a great one. And I know you wrestled with whether you're going to put it on or not. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed um, Norwegian band Baron Wombs. Um, it's called Lizard Lounge. So that's really, really good. What's what's that like? Because I'm not very familiar with that. Punky. Yeah. Sort of punky. So think about... So um, like a, a bit of like a harder version of Danger Face. Nice. Sort of. A bit, bit more on the hard edge. But really good. Just a really good stand-up album. One of those albums that you can put on, go for a walk or go for a run. All the tunes are a banger, and you, but you don't have to concentrate massively on it. So that's really, really good. Nice. Um, Elder, one of my favourite bands ever, yeah. um, as Adam well knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite bands El ever. All the Elder albums were on her Christmas wish list, so yeah. No, no you bought me that one back from uh, Austin, which yeah, was yeah, great. Yeah. That was a couple of years ago, but yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a really good album as well. Yeah, really good. Good return to form um, and just a really, really enjoyable listen. Um, so that was great. Um, Clipping as well, Clipping's new album. Um, I know there's been a bit of controversy, like how quickly it's come out since the last album and is it as good as the last album? Um but it's still great and Clipping are doing what they do really, really well. Yeah. Um, also really enjoyed, obviously, we were talking about this earlier, but Deftones album, obviously, that has to go out there as one of the best big releases yeah. of this year. I know that some people are a little bit like, mm, well, but I think, you know, you always say some good stuff about Deftones, Adam, you're like, they never well, that's, disappoint. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not it's not their best Deftones album by far, and I think I've heard a gazillion people talk about this, but Deftones don't put out bad music. No. That's the thing. It's much better than... A gazillion other releases yeah. this year was didn't make my top ten. I uh, can't remember where I put it actually, but uh, in my top fifty. But again, you can't you can't say it's a, a bad album. Not at all. And um, it's, it's, it's something that you can just chuck on. Yeah, it's good. It's got some absolute bangers on there, and then the other stuff that's not quite as good is is still really good. There's nothing on there that I'd be like, right, that should have been cut, that should have been cut, that's yeah. a bit of a filler. It's it's never gonna be for me personally, I know everyone's got their own opinion, like Diamond Eyes, that mm. era and Koya and yeah. my my era Deftones that I love, which is more a lot heavier, a lot riffier. But yeah, but like, if you think about this compared to Gore, it's mm. it's going back more into that form. And I, I just yeah. think it's the nature of how people view big iconic band releases like when something new comes out it takes people a while to digest it and yeah. actually go is this a classic or is this not I mean if you go back to something like Queens of the Stone their last about... two albums shit <laughs> dog shit and, but this isn't that isn't like that yeah it's going to take people a year or two to digest until another re release comes out and then people will be like oh yeah Oms was just that good yeah, but I don't. I, I think people who are who are slagging it off 
Yeah. Oh, they're just doing that to me. <laughs> just to be poses. It's great. Now they're not what they're on about. Um, um, what else? Elephant Tree, Habits. Great really album. great. You know, definitely itches my stoner doom element, which isn't as much uh, Adam's fave. Mm. Um, but that 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 was the first time I'd heard them. I hadn't heard their previous I, album I, and tapped into that and then tapped into their other stuff and really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, don't really know how I've not heard of them before, especially with that area that I'm really into. Yeah. Um, in Technicolor, Big Sleeper, so obviously previous uh, guests on the pod. Yeah. Um, but they... really enjoyed that. I think the first time that we saw in Technicolor was about a year ago at the Bad Pond Aldea, and we turned up just before they came on, and they had, I don't know who it was, but whoever did the did the back stuff with the oils. Psych- yeah, the psychedelic stuff. guy I, I spoke to, I can't remember his name, but he was doing it for anyone that was there for mm. the Bad Pond all day or no. He it, did it all day, but it fit perfectly it within Technicolor. It went so well, and they just come on as we got in, and I was like, what is this? Like, it re- that really got me. And they didn't have a lot out at that, that time, but, you know, hungered sort of for them, and that's that's a really great album. Great, It was a great summer album as yeah well, and we and we saw them again at the big scary monsters christmas do last yes. year when um who else played was it like orchards um it was um what are they bloody called what's that band that played in the middle i can't remember, I can't remember what but anyway was. that was really good and yeah. uh yeah and um, also yeah shout out to those guys for being on the pod yeah. they were they were great laugh um sharp tooth transitional forms really really great uh hardcore love it really great um vocalist can't remember which she called can she call Kristen? like really awesome um uniform so a bit a band that adam and i share and love like uniform shame this year was really really great enjoyed that last time we saw them talking about gigs actually we'll, yeah. we'll, like last time we saw them stephen hill if, if you're listening to this from right act oh, uh, yeah. we saw them on the hottest day of summer last year at yeah. electroworks it was, and if, it was like 39 degrees if, it was insane and if anyone's been to electroworks there's no air conditioning except for like one fucking thing on yeah, the it's a, it's a vent it's not even uh, air conditioning don't know what it is and it was on the hottest day and I remember bump, I didn't even know Stephen that well at the time bumped yeah. into him and we sort of recognised each other and we just stood by that vent and sweated oh, I had to go outside oh, I had to go outside during bad breeding who was supporting because I was like I can't cope well I had to keep going to the bathroom because <laughs> I had like a vest and a skirt on I had to keep going and I just went and like took my vest off put it under the sink cold and then put it back on because yeah. I had to, just had to do that to stay remotely yeah. cool and then my final shout out which I've kept from Adam. I didn't want him to know that I was going to mention oh. this. Was uh, Bring Me the Horizon oh, EP? Of course you fucking were. <laughs> so, so I don't know if uh, some people know and some people don't. I'm not the biggest Bring Me the Horizon. It's kind of a running joke between some close yeah. friends. I and I, I understand why people like Bring Me the Horizon, but yeah, I just don't Adam get on with them. Adam hates them and I love them. Yeah. And Adam doesn't understand why I love them, but great EP. Really enjoyed the EP. It's got some awesome stuff on there. It's got Nova Twins on there. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah. Can go, that can go in the bargain bin at Christmas. You, yeah, you hate it. You hate them. But that's why I said that was. I didn't tell you that I was going to mention that. But yeah, Bring Me the Horizon's right. EP, Survival Horror. It's a banger. 
Okay, cool. Well, moving on from a uh, quote-unquote banger, and I'm doing air quotes here, um, we'll, we'll dip into my top ten, so the, the audience, please, top ten of the year. And uh, I'm going to start at number ten, and I think this probably in a few months would be higher up the list because um, it's a bit of a grower album for me, even though I'm a massive fan of his. So Venart in the Dead Dead Wood, which uh, came out very, very recently, and it was a surprise album. I think only probably a few people knew that it was coming out. He announced it about three or four days um, before it came out and then put it up on Bandcamp. And, yeah, it's an absolute stunner. Um, obviously, Venart's from Ocean Size and anyone that's... Uh, anyone that likes Ocean Size is probably obsessed with Ocean Size and all his work anyway. I know this album's been really popular. He's already sold out three pressings of the vinyl um, that haven't shipped yet. I think they ship in January. So, Thanks for their logistics. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's um, obviously a really popular album with his his fans. And he had... um, some help with uh, Steve Dunrose and Gambler, Bastille's Charlie Barnes, and then Ben Griffiths from Male Tea Party on bass, and Joe drummer Joe Lazarus adding to the um, adding to the sound of this album. And it's you haven't really listened to it much, have you? I I have quite a bit. No, it's it's not a hundred percent my bag like you know i'll probably get absolutely crucified for this but ocean size isn't 100 percent my bag i i can appreciate it it's just not something that i would choose to listen to and also the fact that mike benart's with biffy clyro and i hate (laughs) biffy clyro as adam knows yeah and much to everybody's uh shag fan yeah uh, I hate Biffy Clyro. Well, you, I do. Yeah, you, you can shut up then. But yeah, the, well, I mean, from from an ocean size and Venom. <laughs> from a fan's perspective. Um, yeah, it's a great, uh, great album. And uh, yes, yeah, so it's not up on Spotify. He chose it not to be on all, all sort of the major streaming sites. Um, but it's up on Bandcamp and I highly recommend it. Um, everyone knows who he is. Go and check it out. It's absolutely gorgeously put together. Um, so number nine uh, I have The Ditch and the Delta um, self-titled but it's their second album now this was one of my two discoveries of the year the other one which is in my top 50 would be a band called Eyes who were from um, Denmark um, another great um, really hard album that I found but uh, we were talking about this earlier because mm-hmm. I had it on this morning I've yeah. been listening to my top 10 today to sort of remember what everything sounds like but what a brutal mm-hmm. album yeah. um, I can't remember how I discovered this band it would have either been one of two people it's either Miles from Effigy in Bristol that probably posted it or Rent Free so whichever yeah, whichever whichever because it's been on it's, it's been on the the house playlist yeah. uh, for quite a long time this year but um, yeah, I mean, it opens up with um, Maimed, which I remember. That, uh, it's one of those albums. It's you'll remember the first time you listen to it. I remember putting on Maimed, and instantly within twenty seconds, I was like, I love this band. Um, so if anyone doesn't know them, they're 
from Utah. Um, they're a trio. And I suppose why they've gone under the radar for a lot of people, especially in the UK, they're a, a bit of a band like Hawes. Like, they don't mm. have much of a following here. Yeah, they've yeah, got a, more, of a, more of a cult following here. Yeah. But in America, they're pretty well known on the circuit. Yeah, I would say, you know, when you, when you started listening to them and I was like, what is this? Because it 100% ticks, you know, my boxes. Yeah. And, yeah, same thing. You were like, oh, they're pretty big there, but not so big here and yeah I think comparing it not musically but to whores yeah very much like similar like people don't just don't really know them appreciate them yeah that but, much but they definitely would fit um I would say if Arctangent wants to book them they can definitely yeah, do that definitely because they definitely I mean they're not as they're not as techy as say Carbon or Frontera but they're not far off on that scale of no heavy. Um, they probably fit on like tech fest bill. As yeah, well. I mean, um, well, uh, I would say they're for fans of like oh, I hate God. What was the vocalist you were comparing them? Comparing Kurt, them? What did I say? Kurt Weinstein. Kurt Weinstein. Kurt yeah, that... Weinstein. Yeah, but they're... and then you were very rude about Kurt Weinstein, and I got really mad. Cause well, because I, I said Harvey Weinstein, but whatever. Uh... <laughs> But um, yeah, anyone fans of like that sort of dirgy, heavy music? Yeah, and it's 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 very like Crowbar, but it's faster. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's guttural music. So absolutely, go and check that album out. Sorry, my stomach just made a really weird noise. I think this eggnog, I think this eggnog's curdling in my stomach. Uh, so uh, number eight, um, a band that kind of should have been on my radar but wasn't until this year and then we went to go and see them and it, they totally won me over aiming for Enrique music for working out um, so again people on the sort of arc tangent circuit will know this talented Norwegian duo mm. um, and I think the thing is this album came out and I well we both are we're both a fan of that sort of electro yeah. rock kind of thing yeah. Like you think about Soul Wax, like Soul yeah. Wax, I'll always use as a marker mm. for electro rock music. And I'd heard the name, I'd listened to bits of stuff. And then the guys at Portals had them as their headliner when Big Lad played and a couple of other bands, Vogan, no, Vogan's, sorry, uh, yeah. who else played? I can't I remember. remember. A guy with a, sa- a guy with a saxophone. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But um, mainly because Big Lad were playing, I was. I was yeah, bought, but you but you yeah. knew about aiming for Enrique and mm-hmm. you were like we need to go and see them and I remember watching them and I was like it's a duo I can't believe yeah, this is it. I didn't so know good. they were a duo and then watching them and I was like fuck me they're yeah, good yeah I was that was that was the first time that I'd uh, seen them they played Art Tangent the year or two years before and they clashed with something else that I'd wanted to see yeah, so they're very, they're kind of in um, that sort of like the jungle type of vein of bands, um, who I really, really like as well. Mm. Um, but that was the first time that I'd seen them. And I was like, is it going to be one of these things where they're great in the studio because they've got all the kit yeah. and, and be able to do this? Are they going to be able to pull it off live? And they were so good yeah. live. It was it was just a full on dance party. It was great. That was at the Victoria, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, big up to the Portals guys for putting them on mm. because I I think if I hadn't seen them this year, I don't think 
that would be in my top 10 or even 20. I think that yeah. album would have bypassed me. But Don't but, Hassle the Half. Don't Hassle the Half. Actually, the second uh, track on the album is called Christmas Eve as well, which is... Yeah, uh, if, uh, yeah I like uh, Infinity Rider. That's yeah. great. But it's a great album. Really yeah. Album. So, yeah, big up to Eamon from Rike and especially the Portals Boys, because like I said, would not have discovered... Mm. Um, well, I certainly wouldn't have liked that album as much. So, number seven, it's one of probably my most played albums of the years, mainly because I had to review it for Birthday Cake for Breakfast, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, but Hey Colossus, Dances, Curses. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're not as big a fan mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, I'm more a casual fan. <laughs> yeah, but again... Um, They're uh, really good. No, I do really like them. Yeah. Uh, another band that I saw early this year, or maybe late last year, with when they played with Nod. Um, and... Yeah, it's the thing with Hey Colossus is everyone talks about them all the time, especially in our sort of realm of DIY scene. Um, they've been around for God knows how long. This is their 13th full length. But I think personally, this is one of my, if not my favourite release of theirs. It's the longest release. It's 75 minutes long. It's a proper double album, but... I put it on earlier when actually you were out earlier um, and it's 75 minutes long but it's not a, you, you totally get sucked in it's a proper sort of well I described it in my review as a, a travel log um, of music it, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's um, yeah, it just takes you through all these soundscapes for for over an hour, and you, it's yeah, Michael you, Palin, yeah, yeah, Michael Palin, who we were watching yesterday, but yeah, it's fantastic and. Um, Certainly the highlight is the the middle track, Trembling Rose, which is 17 minutes long, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. It's If you're into noise rock, just go and listen to this album. Um, it's brilliant. Uh, the vocals, are, again, it's a, it makes it a lot different to a lot of stuff in that sort of noise rock realm. Um, and they have Mark Lanigan um, guesting on it for a track as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, which is uh, a nice little bonus as well. So he loves to work though. Yeah, he loves to work. Lanigan, <laughs> he loves to churn it out, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I, I suppose you don't have much to say on Hey Colossus, do you? No, I've seen them a couple of times with you. Did we see them when they played Dark Tungeon as well? Probably. I, think so. I don't know why I'm doing that. Yeah. kind of voice um, but yeah they're always good like I said it's it's something that when you put them on or if I'm going somewhere and just and just pop them on they're always a great listen yeah. I have to say um, so number six is one that we both really like um, Greg Pucciato child soldier Ooh. creator of God um, so again I was lucky enough to get this a bit early because I reviewed it for noise and Weirdly, I only gave it a seven when I reviewed it. Now that really annoyed me because now I would probably give it an eight, eight and a half. That's the power um, of hindsight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm sure everyone's probably listened to this album this year. It's a perfect mix of everything that's in Greg, Greg Pucciato's head. Mm. It's a bit of the Black Queen. Yeah. It's a bit of the Dillinger Escape Plan, yeah. but also it's everything else that he loves. There's, you can hear his 
love of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, his love. Say, there's a proper Nine Inch Nails. There's, then it's like straight up hard rock. Yeah, there's that. There's that like. like or it's, I, I don't want to use the word whiny, but I'm going to. But it's like that whiny '90s rock. Like yeah, I there's really. That, there's that very much that radio rock. Yeah. one isn't there on it because we watched his um stream. His stream didn't we a couple of weeks ago which was which was really good that was yeah. a really well put together stream actually and it was nice to kind of see those songs performed really that yeah. was that was really interesting because we've um seen both black queen together and Dillinger. Dillinger, so very opposite ends of the the spectrum but we we both really liked them and yeah. that kind of, like you said, it brings all of those elements together and him kind of going down that cleaner vocal route as well, which he's great at. Yeah, I think I think it's a real... I, I, I remember when I reviewed it, I think one of the things I said was it's sort of a marker for where he wants to go. I think there was probably a reason why he ended doing the Black Queen with, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, I can't remember. Mm. The guy that he set the, um, the label up with. Um, but you can definitely tell that he wants to just combine everything that he loves. Mm. And I think, I would hope, he does another solo record. Actually, from that stream, if nobody knows, um, he actually did a couple, two or three new tracks on that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, which are, some of them were like a bit more metal as mm. well. There was like one really sort of like straight up metal track. I think it's just something for him to have fun with. He's an established you know, member of the scene and larger member of the scene and it's just something for him to kind of go, do you know what? People who I care about know who I am, so I'm just going to kind of do what I want to do, really. Yeah, definitely. Don't, don't have to just do one thing. Yeah, but it's really cool. Um, next on the list, so number five, is Jamie Lemon, King of Clubs, which I literally just had on before we started. Um, mm. Jamie Lemon's always going to be on my uh, top list of the year because I'm obsessed with Ruben as everyone knows mm. and as Laura knows mm. uh, we, we were talking about this the other day how I obsessively listen to race car as race car backwards um, but yeah um, I mean again everyone knows probably knows this album it's again a perfect en encapsulation of a solo artist and what he wants to do it's certainly a little bit harder than mm. um, obviously not the one of the sides of his solo out first solo outing but it's a little bit harder than um devolver, devolver yeah. um a little bit on the heavier side but yeah uh, great um guest um guest spot by ilman of peng shui as well on kill me oh no on the future is dead i think it was um yeah kill me is like the again talking about nine inch nails proper nine inch nails song um but yeah He's uh, he he can't put a foot wrong. It's a great start to finish album. Yeah, but it's a, it's, well, it's quite really short. Good. It's quite short as well, so it's easy to just like yeah. slap on and. Yeah. Your hat's rustling a lot, Adam. Is I it? Don't, I don't know if it's going to interfere with record. You look more like a headband than a hat. Really. I'll, I'll take that off then. Yeah, I was just thinking it might interfere with recording. But yeah, it's a great. I mean, I I was talking. We were talking about this the other day, but. I only got into Jamie Lenman when Adam and I got together. I didn't really know who he was. That'll really gut him. Obviously, <laughs> if you're listening, Jamie, I didn't know who you were. Uh, didn't really know who Jamie Lenman was, being from up north. Didn't know who Reuben was or anything. And then Idiot. <laughs> idiot. Um, didn't really know who they were. And then, obviously, I, I, I'll be honest, I like his solo stuff a lot more than Reuben 
um, and they're definitely like the heavier stuff that he does better. But it's a, it's a really good start to finish uh, album. Um, really enjoyed Shuffle, actually, the covers album that mm. he did because he covers some absolute bangers. Um, and I did enjoy Devolver. Yeah. But it's it's this is a this is a really good start to finish album. It's one of those ones that you just put on, can enjoy chilling out to it, and nothing is like oh god, it's that song. Yeah. Um. Cool. So at number four is Clit Drip Without the Eyes, um, another band that discovered in re- more recent times, mm. um, specifically Arc Tangent last year. Um, and we saw them at the Bad Pond all day. Yeah, yeah same again. Day as, um, in Technicolor. Yeah. And Palm Reader. <laughs> and Palm Reader, which we'll get to in a minute. But, um, spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. Alert. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah, Clit Drip, um, again, I think everybody in the UK scene knows who they are now. Mm. Um, the thing with Clit Drip and the reason why they're so high up in my top list for the year is it's just something so different to mm. everything else that's out there um, like the sounds that are made out of that guitar and all the pedals oh your hat's fallen off now just, just leave it it's fine <laughs> um, yeah it's it's just insane um, yeah highlights like Zoom 20 I remember the first time hearing that just before the album came out yeah, it's just insane. And again, if you get the chance to see them live, mm. seen them live um, three or four times now. They're absolutely killer live. She's called Annie. Annie, yeah, yeah and, and she, Annie Annie was on the podcast yeah, this year as well. She's a really great front woman, um, yeah. and also the the themes are incredibly pertinent. Yeah. Um, as well, and yeah, she's she's great front woman, really sort of energetic, but also charismatic at the same time and I don't know how they get that sound out yeah. of like three of them don't get well two two of them and yeah. a vocalist don't know how they do that at all but yeah great album really interesting yeah so well again so moving on to our next one another two piece I'm obs- obsessed with two pieces at the moment um Haggard Cat Common Sense Holiday at number three um so again these guys were on the podcast earlier this year um and yeah Laura and I both fans mm. of Heck and we saw Heck's last show at Arc Tangent and, and then, then Matt, and then Matt stood next to us whilst Future left for yes. us yes and I was like hello we just saw you on a carpet um crowd surfing um but yeah Haggard Cat so we've been following them since their formation um yeah and definitely actually they've just yeah we've seen them at so many shit places as yeah. well um but they're this album is just another step forward for them um i think the main point is was you can definitely they've definitely tried to lean more on what they've been influenced by on this record rather than that sort of raw almost like a diluted heck sound which was the mm. first record was it's more complex but this album you can hear like future left you can hear queens of stone yeah, age got that really queensy vibes yeah so but again really really great and again we don't need to tell anyone everybody knows this band um and go great out and see great Always live show great live show good banter yeah chris the stool chris the stool and uh yeah and then matt always turns up at yeah, other people's shows mm. uh like palm reader who we'll mention again in a second yeah. um but yeah and just 
just lovely guys unfortunately just so... don't like to say nice things <laughs> but yeah just really nice guys yeah they were they were really lovely when they were on the podcast earlier this year uh which we recorded when they supported in me. Um, and again, it's a real shame that um, their headline tour got cancelled. Yeah. Um, and with Mountain Cooler and who else was... El, El Muno was supposed, supposed oh, to support God, them. Remember when we saw them earlier in the year? They were great. Oh, yeah. So shout out to El Muno and St. Pierre, actually. That yeah, was a, that was an amazing great. gig uh, down in Brighton. Um Number two, Run the Jewels, RTJ4. Now, this has been Got on... Got you this for your birthday. Yeah. Um, now, this has been on everybody's top ten lists of the year, and rightfully so. Um, I wrote some notes earlier. I was like, it's interesting how the rock and metal press have all been lapping this up, and rightfully so. Um, I think it's opened it up to... Opened a lot of rock and metal fans up to listening to more hip-hop i've heard so many people go i didn't really listen to hip-hop and now i'm listening to run the jewels now i know we've been fans of run the jewels certainly since rtj2 i probably yeah. wasn't aware of rtj1 when it initially mm. came out but from rtj2 onwards uh, have been and again just going from strength to strength the albums are, 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 are not shit they're never going to be shit and obviously when this album came out it came mm. out at a very pertinent time yeah. uh, around it's, George George yeah. Floyd's death. It said what needed to be said. Yeah. Interestingly, and it was interesting uh, watching lots of stuff with Killer Mike. The fact that obviously they've recorded it way previously. Well, but, end of last year. Yeah, but it was so. It was just that whole idea that that voice and that movement has been building for so long, and when it came out, it was what a lot of people needed. Yeah, definitely. well, there's the lyric from uh, Walking in the Snow yeah. about I can't breathe, yeah. and it's... It's haunting. It's haunting yeah. that when they released the album, George Floyd's last words were, I can't breathe. Yeah. So um, that is why it's number two in my list. It was number one in my list, um, but then some little assholes from Woking, Palm Reader, went and released an album, mm. um, which sprung straight in at number one. Um, now, I want Laura to talk a bit about Palm Reader because... <laughs> so... I was a bit late to Palm Reader. I think mm. you were a fan of Palm Reader before me. Um, and obviously I'm on board now. But, yeah, talk to me about your love of Palm Reader. <laughs> I just, Palm Reader just ticks all of my boxes. They've got the really heavy, hardcore elements, but they've also got the really great melodic sort of harmonies. They, they're just awesome. Like, I... I didn't think that they would be able to top Braille, to be fair. Um, but their new album, I can't remember what it's called, Sleepless. Yeah. That was it. Whoops. <laughs> um, that's, it's, it's more complex, definitely more complex than Braille. Um, but it's such, it's a really interesting progression from Braille. And when you listen to that now, what? Four album back catalogue that they've got. Number four, yeah. It's it is a really interesting progression, at, and at no point have they progressed away from what what makes them what they are. But they've just 
developed and sort of taken those best elements from what influences them. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're an interesting mix of individuals as well. You can tell where those influences come from. So you can tell what is in what each member of the band is kind of bringing to that as well. But I, I love Palm Reader and Adam makes <laughs> for liking Palm Reader so much. But it's, uh, it's yeah, it's, inter- it's interesting you say about the development of their sound. Like they were very much described in the past as the UK's answer to Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm. But um, in this new album, and this is where it kind of differs from Haggard Cat, and this is no. Um, this is no black mark against Haggard Cat. I think the influences are more obvious on Haggard Cat. I think with the new Palm Reader album, um, you can hear those influences, but it's Palm Reader's sound. They've yeah, made they it their sound. melded it into... You can hear, yeah, you can hear bits of thrice, I would say, bits of Deftones. Mm. You can mm. uh, hear this, that and the other, but it's definitely Palm Reader sound that they've developed. They've obviously moved in a more... Slightly more, not totally more, um, but slightly more atmospheric and sort of larger sound direction. There's a lot more sort of guitar and vocal harmonies. Say, there's way more noodly bits on more, it as well, which yeah. is not where they've kind of gone in the past. Yeah, which is kind of what they did on their excellent stream they did from um, yeah, that, that church true. in Rochdale where they did play some older stuff, but they didn't play the sort of... Well, they, I think they played like one sort of faster track, but they mm. played more of their sort of atmospheric yeah, back catalogue. And it's really nice to see them, uh, like, like I said, developing that sound. But yeah, mo- one of the most criminally underrated bands. And I think a lot of people are now waking up to yeah, um, how great they are. Yeah, um, one of the last... One of the last gigs that we went to before lockdown, them had employed to serve absolutely stellar yeah. lineup, like two just the best but again, UK bands. But again, like why are Palm Reader supporting another band at the Underworld? They should be headlining much larger venues, I yeah. would say. Um, but they're definitely like twenty twenty for how shit it has been. There's definitely been some much deserved momentum behind them so moving on to our top gigs ever and uh the main reason why we're doing this uh, special podcast is uh we wanted fans to send in their favorite or funny gig stories um so thank you to everyone that's sent some in i'm going to play those at the end but obviously I've got my guest on, Laura, here. Um, we thought it'd yes. be... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought it'd be good um, for us to recall some gigs, especially over the last few years that we've been together, uh, but also some funny ones from the past as well. Um, if anyone's got any really good uh, or funny pictures from any gigs, uh, feel free to put them in the in the socials uh, when, when this goes out. Um Obviously, we were talking about this before. There was when Dangerface played 2000 Trees. Was it last year or the yeah, year before? Yeah, it was last year. And uh, uh, I had my face in Mikel's uh, crotch uh, whilst on the barrier. And using your head as, as, a, like, as a stand. Uh, as I'm the tall one, obviously, and some uh, paparazzi at Trees. <laughs> a pap. <laughs> a pap. A pap. <laughs> got me in a compromising position. It just looked like you were knocking him off. Um, and I can't remember if it was Dangerface or Trees posted it up and I was like oh for fuck yeah I was like for fuck's sake yeah you look like so you're knocking him off yeah 
So there's that. Um, and then uh, Queens of Stone Age, um, my Brighton picture from Era Volgaris Tour 2007, um, where I'm drunkenly with Josh Hong with a bit of pizza, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tra- a Bronx picture that I, that I bought you. Well, I wanted to save that. Oh, That's okay, a, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Whoops. Whoops. All right, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, God, I'm trying to remember. There was one other one that I was trying to remember, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, if, if anyone's got any good, funny pictures from gigs, um, please share them on the socials because it's always good for a laugh. Um, so let's go into top gigs ever or funny gigs ever. Mm. So I've got one, two, three, four, well, no, three I want to talk about. But um, Laura, I'll offer it up to you first. You've got one that you really want to talk about. Do you want a new one or do you want an old one? Doesn't matter. Well, you decide. Do you want a new one or an old one? Go for an old one. So I was lucky enough because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) Old She she is. Thanks. Um, I was lucky enough to see Pantera when I was 16 on the Reinventing Steel Tour. R.I.P. Dying Bad and Vinny. Um, and yeah, that was in Manchester, and I'm not from Manchester, I'm from Yorkshire, uh, I'm from Leeds, and um, had to one of those incredibly convoluted stories where you're like, I'm staying at so and so's, I'm staying at so and so's. Basically, just took the train to Manchester, as we did quite often, took the train to Manchester, and then we're like, right, we'll go to the gig, go to Satan's Hollow afterwards, and then just get the whatever 4 a.m., half 4 train back or whatever. Um, it was what I was sixteen, so this would have been like two thousand, okay. I think. So yeah, yeah, two thousand. Just trying to do the maths. So <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd been two thousand, and you know, being sixteen, being quite overzealous, seeing at the time, and to be fair, still, it's like my favourite band ever. Uh, it was in the days before you had Barrier. You still had security, but it was shit. Um, and as was my want when I was 16, crowd surfs, split the back of my head open on the actual stage. Lovely. Um, had some sort of like St. John's Ambulance shit first aid on there. And I was like, am I going to have to go to hospital for this? And they were like, mm, well, we advise it. But I was like, but do I have to go to hospital for this? Are you going to send me to hospital? They're like, no, we kind of bleed it up a little bit. I was like, great, fine. Fuck this, I'm back in the pit. Yeah, pretty much. And then, but I was like, if I go to hospital, then my mum's going to find out she's going to fucking kill me. Um, so yeah, it was, it was actually fine, but I just went home with this like disgustingly blood matted. Oh hair. God. Um, but yeah, it was fine and uh, no brain damage. That I know of. Well, <laughs> not that you know of. <laughs> People that you've met since are yeah. fully aware of oh, your uh, brain damage or, you. or Dane Bromage. As <laughs> Dane Shout out. <laughs> um, oh, no, that's, that's a good story. And that kind of yeah. reminds me of um, one that I wasn't going to talk about, but when we went to go and see Dillinger up in Manchester and that guy. In Manchester is like, a yeah. trap, bloody Lancashire. On, on Dillinger's last tour, and that guy got dropped on his head oh, just yeah. before the encore, and they had to. Fit, and they had to stop the gig yeah. and luckily we went to the London show so uh, we got to yeah. see another gig and you were that night actually as well Manchester Fucking what Man- is good bloody Lancastrians uh, beer festival when you got really drunk as well I've got another Manchester story as well well we'll, we'll hold on to that one yeah. let me talk about one bloody story Manchester. bloody Manchester um, so uh, I'm going to talk about Oh, only briefly, but Queens of Stone Age 100 Club. Um, this is one of my favourite gigs. So this was 
just before Era Vulgaris was uh, about to come out. So Era Vulgaris came out in June 2007. Yeah. yeah. And I was... The funny story about this, actually, I was... This was just before the days of smartphones and everything, but I was part of... How me and Laura met. Uh, um, this was just before we met, when yeah. you can't remember meeting me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Queens of Stone used to have this stupid little fan forum. It was not stupid. <laughs> don't, say, don't try and say like it was stupid to sound cool, Adam. It yeah. was great at the time. So yeah, it was, was stupid. It was great. I was up in uh, London with a girlfriend at the time, um, having a romantic weekend or whatever. Uh, we, oh, why we am I totally shit on that romantic group? <laughs> Whatever. And, uh, yeah, I remember our friend Maria uh, messaging... The alleged. Uh, messaging me and going, oh, have you seen the news about tomorrow? And I was like, what are you talking I'm about? Having a romantic weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, Queens of Stone announced the last minute gig at 100 Club and somehow managed to get a ticket. Um, ditched the uh, girlfriend, left her in the hotel. Oh, is that what the whatever was then? Yeah, Not exactly. And then uh, went to the 100 Club and it was amazing. And um, I've got the set list here actually. Because it was. It's one of these. Oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things. You, you remember it was a great gig and then you look back on the. Um, set list and you're like actually the set list at the time probably for me wasn't that amazing because it was a month before Era Vulgaris came out they played Misfit Love Battery Acid Into the Hollow 666 Threes and Sevens Turning on the Screw and I'm Designer so yeah that's nearly that whole album yeah so basically half the set was unheard like the first time they'd ever been played um so everyone was like this is amazing but what the fuck is it but the fact queens were in 100 club and like joe that was when joey was still drumming for them and everything but they played like little sister burn the witch mexicola in my head and song for the dead they finished on so So it was not that much not even that much old stuff because then you've just got stuff from lullabies and you've got one what is it one thing mexicola in song for the dead really yeah. Yeah. So this is the thing. I remember, and it's probably because. So when was this? What year? Two thousand seven. So I was twenty. Um, so very excitable. Probably still excitable now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was still amazing. I went home with uh, Joe Castillo's towel that night. I think you uh, went home with Joe Castillo's. Gonna be like, is this, a, is this a revelation that you want to reveal on the podcast? But Adam? it's one of those things. It's um, even though looking at the set list, not a great set list. It mm. was the fact that seeing Queens of Stage yeah. in the Hundred Club. I don't think there was only one other time where I saw them in a really tiny venue at Rough Trade. Yeah. But I still think this was way better mm. so yeah Queen's of Stones 100 Club 2007 mm. what was your uh, what was your next one um did you say I had to save Manchester for later no you can do it now if you want um so another again a great gig but just bloody stress leading up to it is um went to Manchester again um to see it was like over a, a weekend pretty much so it was when babes in toyland had just kind of oh, come yeah. back reformed and me huge riot girl 90s fan just you know basically shit my pants and was like i'd take whatever money you need 
And then two days later, so it was um, Babes in Toyland, then a day off, and then um, Mud Honey. So I was like, great, two, two great gigs in two days. Um, went down to Manchester in my car. Uh, Babes in Toyland, amazing. Had a phenomenal, phenomenal time at the Gorilla. Met Cat Pajelland, which just made my life um, entirely. Um, and then I went saw Mud Honey, parked my car in a car park, <laughs> and uh, went back to my car in the afternoon, not long before the gig. Car had been smashed <laughs> in, my suitcase had been nicked out my car. Absolute nightmare. Uh, people from over the road in the flats were like, yeah, we saw your car getting in, broken into. It's happened loads around here. And I was like, that's great, but this is not going to happen, is it? Because I've lost all my fucking shit. Uh, I had to call the police. They actually ended up finding my suitcase um, about half a mile away, discarded in an underpass. And this at the time was a bit of a statement on my life because <laughs> fucking nothing had been nicked from it. Absolutely nothing. Like, shit clothes, shit clothes. And I was offended. They didn't even steal my dirty pants. They could have sold those on eBay. Um, but, no, no, uh, no, no one wants your dirty pants, I would know. No. Like, no. Oh, right. <laughs> but yeah, at one end of the scale, like, I was distraught because I'd lost some of my favourite stuff, which I ended up getting back. But on the, second, on the other hand... Like, they hadn't nicked any of my stuff, so I was like, is my favourite stuff shit? Clearly is shit. Um, but, yeah, I also I, I also called you, because this was kind of before we were, we were a thing, really, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, but how was, how was the gig? Did the gig make up for... Uh... It did. I mean, Mud Honey never disappoints. Yeah. You know, they've been, they've been at it since the 80s, and they never, ever disappoint. I've never seen a bad Mud Honey gig... I've travelled so far to see them. I've travelled, well, gone fucking... Have, have you travelled to Iceland no, to see them? No, you didn't specifically <laughs> travel to Iceland, Adam, I, to sorry, see them. Sorry, I saw I saw them at ATP in Iceland with Drive Like Jehu just beforehand. You did. And uh, Mark Arm was uh, next to me. And then you told Mark Arm that exact story <laughs> that I've just told everybody. But yeah, I've driven up to, when I used to live up north, I've driven up to Edinburgh midweek to go and see them, like, yeah. they never disappoint. But, yeah, yeah. you met Mark Arm. So that was in, oh, that's, remember, that, that was in May, and that was the same year. Yeah, that's a good that, picture. Because you went when it was my birthday. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I went, I went and off. And you told Mark Arm that story. Yeah, I need to get that Mark Arm picture up, actually. You've just reminded me. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's yeah, really, really good. Um, really, really good. Really, really good. <laughs> God, this eggnog's going to my head. Um, so my eggnog. Oh God. Um, so my second um, one on my list. I mean, these are in no particular order, but this was probably the most sort of mind-blowing gigs ever. Was Nine Inch Nails at Scala, which I know Laura hates me. She's heard this a million times, and a lot of my close so friends have. So this was um, just before Hesitation Marks came out. So 2013? Uh, yeah, 2013. Um, and again, it was very similar to the Queens of Stone Age gig. It was um, literally a couple of weeks before um, this album came out. And they, I remember they just posted on social media. They were like, we're going to do this show mm. at Scala. Um I think it was two weeks before, but it was like in two days' time, the tickets go on sale. 
Um, it's limited to two a person because of Scala's yeah. what, what Scala's like eight hundred cap yeah, or something. Yeah, it's, so it's not small, isn't it? Yeah. So, I, I will always remember this. It's when I used to work in retail and I got stuck at work for whatever reason. Tickets went on sale at like five in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to finish at four. So I was like, I'll finish at four. I'll get home. I'll get online. I'll try and get tickets. Probably won't get tickets, but it will happen. Anyway, got stuck at work. Quarter past five rolls around. I'm sat at work and I'm like, holy shit, I've just forgotten 90 now tickets have gone to sell. I'm fucked. So yeah. I was deeply upset. Got home. I was deep. deep I was, I was, deep I was mortified. Right. I had to. I had Sounds to go, like someone from a Jane Austen novel. Yeah, I, was I was deeply mortified. I had to go. I had to go home and put a cold compress <laughs> on my head. A cold compress. <laughs> what did he say? A cold compress. What is that? Um, so anyway, I got. I got home. Ghosts in the wardrobe. Ghosts in the wardrobe. No, don't. Let's not go down that path. People won't get these in jokes. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, got home and then bless. His heart, Tristan, who I worked with at the time, messaged me and he was like, guess who got two tickets? And his mates have got tickets as well. I was like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe this. Mm. So uh, thank you, Tristan. I don't know if he'll be listening to this, but um, got us uh, two tickets. And honestly, the it was just insane. As you can imagine, seeing, seeing Nine Inch Nails, but seeing them... In such a small venue. Mm. And again, this is another uh, photo I need to get out. Let's make a note of that. Was... um, T-Rez. T-Rez coming out. They filled the Scala with smoke, basically. Yeah, but you imagine, like, such a small room. And then Trent Reznor with his hench arms came out. He's got great arms. And just stood there and went like this. And I managed to get a really good picture. That doesn't translate to the medium of a podcast. Oh, sorry. Uh, He stood with his arms aloft. (laughs) And uh, I managed to get get a picture. The only problem with the picture is some fucking wanker put his hand in the way, his or her hand. Uh, Sorry, shouldn't be be sexist. Yeah, shouldn't be sexist. Um, Their hand. Their hand, yeah. Um... But yeah, they walked out and then they just smashed it. So they played somewhat damaged the beginning of the end, which again, those were both off hesitation marks, but then they played terrible line, March of the Pigs, Piggy, the Frail, Wretched, Closer, um, Burn, Gave Up, Sanctified, Disappointed, The Warning, Wish, Survivalism, Stuck, Pig Face Cover, Hand That Feeds, Head Like a Hole, um, The Day the World Went Away, another debut for that song, Dead Souls, which is Joy Division cover, and then finished with Hurt. And then, honestly, when they finished with Hurt... Everyone's like... Well, no, the the venue just went dead quiet, like, and because it was such a small venue, and it was pretty, obviously, just Trent and a guitar, and everyone was just like, don't make a sound. And it... you didn't know what to do. Everyone was just frozen. Mm. And then it just finished and everyone just burst into tears and applause. And it was, yeah, oh, my God, that gig was... There's not a lot of gigs that will ever, ever Mm. beat that moment when they finished with her uh, and everyone walked away crying with joy into the night. Um, So a wonderful, wonderful night. So top that one, Laura. <laughs> yeah, to be, uh, 
the ones that I chose, none of mine were like moving or great. Mine were just all like stupid ones, like stupid stuff well, that's happened. You can do one more stupid one, and we can talk about um, one of our collective favourite bands. Oh, okay. Well, right, you know, okay. you, you know yeah, what I, we're I, talking I, about. Yeah, we're talking about there. Um, what I was going to talk about was. Um, a gig uh, that happened last year. It was a collective one. It was one of, of you and me. Yeah. Um, and when we went and saw uh, Idols. Oh, at amazing. Pally. Yeah, amazing. Great gig. Really good. I was a bit nervous. As oh, my God. I just sure. remember what you're going to fucking you know say. We <laughs> um, a bit nervous because I didn't know how Ali, uh, you know, Idols were going to do at Ali Pali. Um, and... I've had a little bit of like a love hate relationship with idols, really. Um, well, you hate Dev. <laughs> <laughs> Dev, like, I, Dev, if you're listening, I love you, mate. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, we, you know, well, especially when we first saw them, not good. Uh, but yeah. then since, like, been great. And when we saw them at Ali Pali, it was amazing. But there was someone with the worst arse ever. <laughs> At that gig, like absolutely disgraceful. Like that person he's putting down. So like, we, it's like Satan was in his bomb hole. So basically, so basically, we were, and everyone knows how big Ali Pali is. It fits ten thousand people. We're always over to the left. Right. The right. <laughs> yeah. So we're over to the right. We're in our usual spot where we've stood for like the likes of Deftones and. Uh, whatever LCD LCD. go over to the right hand side towards the middle can't be asked to go near the front because it's just too manic so anyway there was quite my story I thought I was telling the story well okay go on then so there was a big group of us so there was Hmm. about 10 of us wasn't there there was a massive massive group of us uh, including uh, Damien another former guest Boo. Boo. Um, who I actually will finish this story with something he did at the oh, after right, party. Yeah, um, and yeah, we were stood there, and then all of a sudden, the people in front of us were like, What the fuck is this? You could see the people in front of us. Like, no, it was even like two rows in front of us. People were like agitated. It was like a wave. And then, and then all of a sudden, this just actual stench wave. And then we were like, what the fuck is this? But when we, I think because, well, me and Damien had been day drinking as well. So we reacted pretty badly because we were hammered. And the people in front of us were like, it wasn't us. And then the people in front of them were like, and we were like, where's this coming from? Anyway, so we all kind of ignored it for a little bit. We were like, okay, one stinker, we'll let you on. A song or two later, it happened again. Yeah. And whoever's arse it was, we don't know, but we reckon between the three groups of people, there was a group of lads, wasn't there? And But it was the fact that it went about 10 it feet of his potent... It was Beelzebub's bumhole. And again, it was absolutely terrible. And again, we're talking about Ali Pali here. It's a big room. There's it's enough no... <laughs> space for that fart to go. It's not like it's not like a tiny little shitbox, is it? Yeah. It's fucking my... That was potent. So all I'm saying is, if somebody... Fart... If that person farted and say, like, the black art, which we'll talk oh about in a minute... Oh, my God, that was evacuation station. <laughs> Disgraceful. It was so bad. Like, I know lots of farts happen at gigs. Like, it's fine. And since the smoking ban... That's that's unfortunately <laughs> one of the things you've got to deal with is people smelly asses. But this that was absolutely terrible. And for you and Damien, two farty chaps, 
to be saying how disgraceful that was. It's got to be bad. I, it's I, absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a slight against my name. Um, and I could have said nothing about Damien, though. Well, so talking about Damien, just to add to the story, and he won't mind me sharing this. Again, <laughs> again, video of him um, in this moment. So the uh, idols after party at the garage, which after was we'd all from the fart. after we recovered from the fart and we'd regrouped. Um, and Dev, uh, funny enough, Dev was DJing. There was a couple of other DJs, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll share this video and he won't care. Dev, uh, Damien was caught uh, by me dancing up against the wall. Nearly so near the toilets, two idols on his, uh, own. <laughs> on on his, his own. own. So I just uh, sneakily caught him uh, dancing, which was hilarious. And then, uh, yeah, he didn't fucking notice. What an idiot. So well done, mate. Um, so, yeah, that was a very eventful night. And also props to idols. That was actually a really it amazing was game. It was really good. Really good. Yeah. Apart from fart, and they couldn't control the fart. Yeah, exactly. So we'll move on to one of mine and Laura's shared favourite bands. Uh, one of my favourite bands of all time, The Bronx. <laughs> now, if anyone knows The Bronx, you know they're a great force to be reckoned with live. Uh, I've seen them God knows how many times. So I've overwritten down where we saw them at Electric Ballroom and the earplug went in my ear uh, when I got battered in the pit and Laura that, had to pick the earplug out my ear. That was, that was very lucky. So... When Adam and I go to a Bronx gig, we're never actually, like, together. We just go off in our separate ways uh, in the pit. It's one of the only bands I'll go in the pit for, basically. Yeah, we both we both end up there. And I remember turning around and seeing, you know, essentially what is Slender Man <laughs> running off, fleeing, um, if you know, know Electric Ballroom, like, off to the side of the dance floor, like, near where the bar is, so not towards the back. Yeah. And like off towards that right hand side, just saw this thing. I was like, that's Alan. And like, but he was running off, like, not in a like, I'm running for a wee. This looked like some <laughs> sort of traumatized. So I, I went, being a good, dutiful girlfriend, like, went after him. I was like, you, and you were, you were straight on for the box. Yeah. I was like, Adam, Adam. <laughs> and then he turned around to you, went, I've got an airplug stuck in my ear. Got an airplug. And I was like, come here, come here. No, it's really stuck in me. I can't get it out. Luckily, being a, a well-prepared woman, I had in my makeup bag some tweezers, and I knew that Adam's earplugs, because we've got the same ones, Google it, um, aren't like silicon ones. And I was like, it's fine, it's fine, just come here, I'll pull it out, and managed to pull ba- it out and saved you. Basically, basically, I'd gone half deaf, and I was like, oh no! <laughs> Didn't need to speak like that, though. I don't know, there's many... Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I apologise for that. But so, then you could enjoy the rest of the gig. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but this is not the first time I've got in trouble at a Bronx gig. Um, oh, where, yeah, which <laughs> we'll get on to. So there was, uh, they played twice at um, Brooklyn Bowl, which is now mm-hmm. unfortunately gone, which is in the O2, which is just, just down the road from us. So the... Uh, First year I went... Um, oh, that was uh, Frank Carter, wasn't it? Yeah, Frank Carter and the Rap Snakes had just started out um, and they supported it. was a brilliant night. But then they they played a couple of years later. When... Is that when you went bowling with them? That was the night you went bowling with oh, them yeah, later. Oh, sure. yeah, Yeah, so, yeah, good Bronx story. Went bowling with them afterwards, thanks to uh, a good friend of ours. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a laugh of a night. Then fast forward another couple of years and obviously we were seeing each other and Bronx played again. 
Um, it's like oh, GBH, wasn't it? And Pounded by the Surf. Pounded by the Surf, which is um, Joby's other band, mm. which yeah. is like surf rock. And GBH. And GBH. Old school. And then, uh, yeah, that was an eventful gig. So I got absolutely hammered, which was brilliant. But um, Matt jumped on... Uh, Jack, Matt got on, like, the side bit. If anyone know, remembers uh, Brooklyn Bowl in like the, the O2... Floor, it was, like, sunk, wasn't it? Yeah, but there was a bowling lane off to the right and then a bar off to the left, and you had these raised bars above, which yeah. was kind of good if you didn't want to get into the dance floor. You could just stand yeah. up there and rest with your drinks. Rest. rest. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Matt found his way, which he's done. Uh, funny enough, at the electric ballroom, he climbed mm. on the steps up to the yeah, left. Um, so he got his way up there I was like yeah I'm going to go and catch him because I was hammered and having a good time Matt landed on my head and I swear you got uh, for about six months I had this occasion, occasional pain inside of my head and I was like that's only happened since that night yeah you definitely got concussion and that poor guy's glasses flew off his head yeah oh like, yeah there was some um, guy who had his glasses that was, later. that was after all of the so uh, Laura tell us about day. your being a woman at a gig uh, moment and uh, to me being Adam I'm 36 years old being a woman at a gig this is like 20 over 20 years of being I know, gigs. I know. Make it sound like it's first gig. Um, so anybody that's gone and seen the Bronx knows it's a li- it's a lively show. You're either in the pit or you're not. Like you're, yeah. and you're far back. And the pit is the pit's pretty big. Um, you know the Bronx is a good fun gig to be gig to be in the pit. Um, and uh, you know there's quite a big bunch of us. There's about nine of us or something oh, it was, like uh, that. It was eight of us. It was four eight couples. So with some other girl mates and like, I've got absolutely zero problem like holding my own in the pit, etc. Um, and sort of during a couple of songs, so I was in, in the pit, you know, jostling around with the best of them. And then a guy started pat from behind me, started patting me on the head, and I like look round and I thought, oh, it's just you know, whatever, maybe thinks I'm somebody else or whatever. Kept doing it. And like, I looked like round, I was like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And then I had like a little bit of a flashback of he was a guy that had been previously like in front of me yeah. in the pit. And as you do in a pit, you sometimes have to push people out of the way, whatever. Yeah. And he'd taken great umbrage with the fact that I had deigned as a woman <laughs> and a small woman at that, because I'm only little, a small woman deigned to push him. So he had then gone round the back of me and then just decided to be a fucking annoying pain in the arse by patting me on the head in a really patronising way. Um, and yeah, he really lived to regret that uh, because me and uh, my friend basically <laughs> kicked the shit out of him. She she ripped his t-shirt. I did by the throat. <laughs> which is um, which is which is where drunk Adam had to step yeah. in. So this was the funny thing, and I think it was probably good that I was drunk that night. So I I turned around and I was I was da- dancing bouncing around like a fucking lanky idiot. Turned around, saw this going on, and the guy was only little, and his mates were only Don't little. Don't make it sound like oh you proper you proper no. played it down. 
Turner. Oh, he was a proper weed. No. He was a real weed. No. Like, no, Laura's no. only small and he was a little weed. It wasn't like some big guy. Thanks. No, I, d- I didn't mean it like that. You did. No. Fucking mansplaining and manspreading all over those fangs. Well, yeah, she could have probably taken him because he was only 10. Oh, shut up. Um, So, yeah, turn around, and then that was happening, and I just stood in front. But the thing was, I stood in front of him, and because I was so drunk, I was like, guys, you can either just walk off, or I turned around, and there was just, like, you lot who were just, like, baying for blood. just being an absolute cunt. Like, pardon me. Sorry, listeners. No, you... a delicate disposition. You can swear on the podcast, it's fine. But he was, just, he was just being an absolute idiot. Like, he was being so patronising, he was so annoyed that... I don't, I don't know what his problem was. I don't know if his issue was, like, women in the pit or whatever, but I was... And at that time, I was well over 30. Yeah. I'm, like, not, you know, not getting massively into pits anymore. But I was like, yeah, it's the Bronx, it's great. Like, this is great, it's a small gig, you know, whatever. And then that happened, and it was like, oh my god, it's like I'm 16 again, and when yeah. guys are just being absolute twats to women in pits. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's why, because I was like, well over 30, and I was like, right, that's it. But so, uh, yeah, I was well fucking pissed off. But I think that's why Adam had to intervene. Because yeah. she was like, she's going to go. Absolutely I thought, I, well, luckily they walked away. But um, to actually, on the flip side, at a Bronx gig, we had a very differing experience, e- even smaller venue, um, the Black Heart. What, when we turned up at 10am? Yeah, so <laughs> um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, and again, it, similar to the Queens of Stonehenge 100 Club gig, um, it was when Five had come out. Actually, Five had come out a few months before it came yeah. out, like September, but they didn't play talking about Frank and we just we saw him just after they did that gig yeah okay. we did um so Bronx 5 came out in September 2017 I think it was um and then they announced that they were going to play a free show at the Black Art mm. in January Col- yeah it was right at the beginning of the year wasn't it January 14th um, but you had to queue up. So uh, Blackheart have done this a few times. They've mm. done it with like Red Fang and a, a few others. Had to queue up for tickets to get in. So the eager beavers that we were, we got there at 10 a.m. because I was like, well, I'm not we missing. Like, There's gonna be loads of people there. There's gonna be loads of people there. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But to be fair, we turned up at 10 and there was already five people there. We're like, we can go to the Costa Coffee for a piss. It's fine. We'll go to McDonald's <laughs> for some food. Um, so we queued up from 10 um, and then our mates turned up later at like 3 and it was still fine yeah um, which but, you took it in terms of going and sitting in the bar yeah yeah, that, uh, that was a good thing but then they let us I think when it got to they let us get a wristband and then sit in yeah I think for the last hour and a half um, but yeah it was just it was two weeks before five came oh no sorry no it was way after five had come out and they were like we're going to play all of five now everyone was a bit like oh Five's not the best Bronx album, but okay, it's the Bronx. But do you know what? Great venue to see it, yeah. Absolutely insane. And again, talking about funny pictures, and I'll I'll share this one. Um, I've got a picture of me grabbing. Who got you this picture? Yeah. All right. Um, 
Um, who was the photographer? Andy Ford. Andy Ford. Andy Ford. Ford took and he's a very nice. Yeah, he's very nice. Bumped into him at a couple of gigs since. Uh, took a picture of me grabbing Matt by the head, uh, screaming some lyrics in his face. Yeah. And then uh, Laura got it printed off for for me, which is in our in our living room. So it's like one of those nice moments that you can remember. And actually, yeah. you're in that photo as well, aren't you? Off to oh, the next side. Um, I've got a crop top on. I've got a crop top <laughs> since I was probably about 18. Oh, I'm, I'm actually wondering, where did everyone put their coats that night? Um, good question. I think we just stashed them down the side. Or on the bench opposite, maybe. Perhaps we were... anyway. Because yeah. everyone must have been in the same position because it was January. It's fucking cold. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, they played five all the way through, but it was insane. But then they finished with Knife Man, Shitty Future, Heart Attack American, History Stranglers. Mm. Oh, my fucking God. It was God. great. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And, and they're always so much fun. And Matt's always funny. Well, good banter. He was in the crowd the whole time. Time. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play on the stage. Yeah, um, and that's the thing—a great thing about that photo—and it always reminds you about Bronx gigs. Everyone had a smile on their face, yeah. And that was the great thing about that. The even though they're a ridiculously hard band and like people go mental, and some people can be dicks, mm-hmm. as we've experienced, is generally when you go to a Bronx gig. It's a fucking yeah. laugh. Um, and that's why we both love the Bronx. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what a gig. What an absolute yeah. gig. Um, what and a band. It was a Sunday. And it was a Sunday, yeah. You probably. It's night. Oh, yeah, we both had to go to work the next day. Um, so I think that's probably a good place to wrap up uh, Best Gigs Ever. Mm. Uh, obviously, there's a gazillion other gigs I could talk about. But thank you so much to everyone that sent in gig stories which we will play uh, for people listening we're going to play out when I finish up in a second um, I'll be picking the best story out of these and posting the winner on the socials and you'll win an audience please t-shirt and a mystery vinyl which I will uh, get in contact with the winner about um, thanks to everyone again for supporting the podcast this year uh, if you've not watched the videos or whatever go and check them out please go and check out all the previous episodes. I've had such a great laugh interviewing all the guests that I've had on this year. Um, I'm going to take a little break from the podcast probably the next month or so, uh, but I'll catch you at some time in 2021. And last of all, thank you, Laura, for joining me. Yeah, it was a real trek from the living room. <laughs> it's really difficult. No, thanks, Adam. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for, for joining me. Um, we're going to, as it's the 23rd, like I said, I don't know when this is going to go out, but I'm going to go and drink some eggnog now. You've nearly finished all that eggnog. There's hardly any left in the fridge. Well, if if I'm slurring, it might be why. You've drunk the whole thing. How much did you put, what did you put in that? Uh, a lot of whiskey. Uh, right, okay. That yeah. is going to be a fun evening for me. Uh, but yeah thank you everyone for listening and i will catch you next time please enjoy these stories that are coming up and yeah i'll see you in 2021 bye Bye. say bye laura bye i didn't know whether i was allowed (laughs) to say bye
Hello there, audience. Please, listeners. My name is John. I'm a friend of uh, Adam's. In fact, I was in a pub in Hackney with him and Steve Wheeler when he first floated the idea of doing a, a podcast, and was uh, wondering if he could uh, could do it. So it's nice now that he is doing it, and that I've got a chance to talk on it. Um, I wanted to talk about a gig I went to for my 18th birthday back in March 1997. The venue was a Cambridge boat race, which I believe is now a trendy wine bar. Boat race closed in sometime in the noughties, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's small venue, tiny venue, um, probably capacity of about 100. Uh, it's where most rock fans in Cambridge probably had their first Newcastle Brown and uh, went to see a show. So uh, yeah, great little venue. Um, the show itself was just, I just remember it being chaos from the off. I mean, it was just full of drunk kids, like a hundred drunk kids going to see Symposium. Um, uh, my friends were interviewing them for a fanzine, so um, they mentioned it was my birthday and Ross dedicated Fairweather Friend to me before they started to play it, which was really nice. He then jumped into the uh, audience and managed to knock one of the lenses out of my glasses, which luckily I managed to recover at the end of the show. But it was just sweaty, messy, like chaos. I remember the mosh pit itself fell over probably about three or four times and just the whole the whole dance floor just collapsed and had to pick itself back up and it was just absolute absolute chaos uh, the band had like spice girls cutouts they were flying around everywhere the venue just got absolutely trashed by a bunch of hyped up teenagers it was uh, probably the most fun i've had at a show uh, and i've been to a lot of shows so uh, yeah thanks for uh, letting me come on and chat about it and i'm looking forward to hearing uh, other people's gig stories cheers okay so straight up if i was to pick like one of the best shows i've ever seen um, in it was it was at the South Bank Centre um, during the Robert Smith meltdown, and it was, of course, uh, the Deftones set, which was considered uh, in the popular media after the time um, after the actual show as probably their like show of their career, and that was independently verified. And by myself, I obviously could say I was super lucky to get a ticket. Like, my God, they flew. But um, the sound was just incredible. Like, from anything from, like, Minerva, so, like, you sort of slower stuff, to, um, like, anything up to, like, Chasing, Chasing the House of Flies was, like, just amazing. Like, the breadth of their career was, like, completely shown. Um, but the South Bank Centre isn't a particularly, like, small place. It's, like, a well-established place. But if you're talking a small gig... I would have to say probably um, Carpenter Brute at the um, the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes uh, was probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Like they are a, a massive arena band, and they were in like a tiny little pub in Milton Keynes, and we saw them twice that year. We saw them that. And then they, in fact, no, it was, uh, they, they played at the Coco, which was like a step up from there. And then they played the, the Islington. And I was like, 
like the step up from one to the other to the other was insane and it was the same level of intensity of show so you had this massive arena show condensed into the Crawford Arms which just basically melted my eardrums like I have never seen anything like it if you haven't heard of Carpenter Brute just check them out. I mean, they played Dark Tangent, so I think like a lot of people have heard of them by now. But like at the time, there were this teeny weeny little French band, and it was just like, oh my god! I have to thank my other half for that recommendation. So thank you very much. Um, so that Deftones was yeah, that was the uh, Robert Smith meltdown for South Bank, um, and that Carpenter Brute one. I don't know what tour it was. Um, I think it was before Leather Teeth came out, which is great. You should give it a go. Um, yeah, it's it's been really, really... It's been a tough time without gigs, but, you know, we're, it's on the way. We'll soon have those amazing festivals again. They're in the works. Like, the Art Tangent um, uh, lineup is going to be amazing again. And, you know, just... Just got to keep going. Keep on pushing through. Hello, Audience Please podcast. Uh, my name's Ollie, and uh, I sing in a band called My Eyes Are Old and Bent, and I also do my own podcast, Black Band T-Shirt. Um, my favourite gig of all time was the Converge Blood Moon show at the Electric Brixton. Um, Converge are my favourite band of all time, and this was a special tour for them where they played their longer, slower songs um, in a set with guest musicians such as Chelsea Wolfe and uh, Stephen Brodsky of, uh, of Cave-In. Um, it's, it's a really good night overall, um, full of hell and the body both supported. Uh, and, um, well, <laughs> the less said about Cripple Black Phoenix's uh, support slot, the better. But, um, a bit dull. But uh, anyway, on to the main event. Yeah, just absolutely magnificent the whole way through. Just played a lot of my favourite Converge songs um, with these guest musicians and spellbinding throughout. Um, last two especially, Last Light and the titular track from Jane Doe um, with guest vocals by Chelsea Wolfe just took on new life um, as did many of the songs they played that night. Magnificent on record and uh, even better in this setting. Just, yeah, um, absolutely incredible. Okay, cheers audience please. My name's David and I am the editor of the lovely podcast series that you're listening to right now. Uh, I just wanted to share a story of one of my most memorable gigs, uh, which was when I went to see No Effects back in 2009 at the O2 Empire in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, my friend Zach was kind enough to offer me a ticket to go with him to see them. Um, you know, we were both big fans of the band growing up. And to be honest, the timing couldn't have been more perfect because I just shelled out a load of money on a brand new pair of very nice glasses and uh, some insurance to cover them, which is relevant to the story. Uh, so yeah, we went to the show. Uh, I'd never seen No Effects before and it was absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, the energy, the atmosphere was just something I'd never experienced before. It was on a different level. 
So uh, we had a great time and we drank probably a little bit too much. Um, and in doing so, we decided we would try and move a bit closer to the front, uh, but not too far because I was wearing my brand new pair of glasses, which at the time didn't seem like a huge mistake. Um, but as we were moving forward, they started a song uh, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. It might have been Dinosaurs Will Die. Um, and the crowd just went fucking mental. I got absolutely bodied into the mosh pit. And uh, within seconds, the brand new pair of glasses uh, were punched from my face. And I got tossed around in the mosh pit for a, a few minutes, which was less than pleasant when you can't see what's happening. Um, and Zach pulled me out and we decided to watch the show from the sidelines although I couldn't really watch it because I couldn't see um, and then yeah that was it it was game over for those glasses um, but the show was incredible so uh, yeah lesson learned there um, but the worst bit about all of it is I went to the opticians the next day to replace my glasses and they told me that the insurance that I bought did not cover any accidental damage, loss, theft, anything like that. To be honest, I'm not even sure it was insurance. It was just a ripoff. So yeah, I, the, I learned a very difficult lesson that day, which is um, don't ever wear expensive glasses to gigs. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. Last year, early October, my boyfriend Harry and I went to a gig at the Frog and Fiddle in Cheltenham to see Clip Drip and No Violet on their co-headline tour. I'd had a tooth taken out the day before and I was kinda out of it. The pub was half empty for this free show and there were dismissive old men sat at the bar. I loved the intimacy of the show, but I wanted to be in a room crammed with people and filled with energy. I saw that the last show of the tour was a hometown show for Clip Drip in Brighton. Sandwiched between Sun O and Battles shows in Bristol, I finally managed to convince Harry to go. We had had a three and a half hour drive set in fog, mist and rain. The weather was crap, but we made our way to the Brighton Electric ice cream in hand. We got there after walking past it twice, got some beers, had a chat with the staff, and got to the front, camera at the ready for a brilliant show from Girth. The trip was worth it for them alone. No Violet was flawless, Ellie's voice is hypnotizingly beautiful. You could tell it was a hometown show for Clip Drip. Just before they came on stage, the room swelled up with people. Everyone in that room was there for them and you could feel the energy throughout the set. Afterwards, we chatted with the band, met some lovely people, got really drunk and had a blast. It was an impeccable show, each band nailed it. I stuck to the front for most of that night and I got some amazing photos and that gig really inspired me to take up more opportunities for concert photography. Gigs inspire us and fuel our creativity and I cannot wait to get back to them. So I go to a lot of gigs on my own and I, um, I book to see Daughters at everyone's favourite venue, the Brudenall Social Club in Leeds. This was um, April 2019 and I'd uh, you know, booked into a hotel 
and daughters were absolutely amazing. They were incredible, just as you'd expect. Anyway, I was um, finishing my drink at the end and I um, got chatting to this guy. He was also there by himself. And you know, we were asking him like, oh, what did you think of the gig? You know, what bands do you like? Things like that. And we were, you know, we were getting along really well, buying each other drinks and stuff. Anyway, about an hour had passed by and we were pretty merry at this point. So we were talking about going into Leeds proper. You know, the night was still young. Um, and carrying on. Anyway, about halfway through the last drink, before we were about to leave, he just turns to me and he says, have you ever thought about eating a person? And I just couldn't comprehend what he just said. So I turned to him and I said, you what? And he turned back and he's like, have you ever thought about eating a person? And I tell you what, I have never sobered up so quickly in all my life. And I was just like, no, have you? And then he starts going on about all these famous cannibals that he knows and all these autobiographies and things that he owns about him. And I was just like, oh my God. And then he came back to me and he was like, so you still go, you still up for going into Leeds? And I was just like, oh man, I'm feeling a bit tired. You know, I've got to get up early in the morning. And I was making all these excuses. <laughs> so we like called it a night for, for then and just, um, I went back to my hotel and as I was walking back I was looking over my shoulder making sure no one was following me, made sure the hotel doors were shut and locked behind me and um, I do still have him as a friend on Facebook just so I can prove to people because he's got like a cannibal as like his cover photo on there just so I can prove to people that I'm not bullshitting them. But yeah, that's definitely one of my favourite gig stories. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Hello Adam, hello audience, please listeners, it's Harry here. I'm here to share my gig stories and uh, how much I miss live music. Uh, first one I've got for you is from Bloodstock in 2018, one of my favourite festivals on this planet because I'm a dirty, grabby metalhead. Uh, so, normal fare, everyone's pissed, sun shining, good day at Catton Hall in August. Uh, Sub-headlining of the day was Emperor, one of the most influential bands in metal to this day still, and one of the most legendary black metal bands of all time. We watched them tear up the stage and they fucking kick ass, and they're the perfect warm-up for the headliner that night, the mighty, mighty Judas Priest on their 50th, fucking 50th anniversary tour. Our only UK show of it. Now, we're, I, our group gets split up uh, for Judas Priest because we got some diehards and they all piled in. It's so me and my buddy Parker hanging out a bit, bit far out of the crowd, just having a nice time, boogieing into some priests as it was personally my first time seeing them. And we, uh, take a moment in between tracks and we sort of turn to our right and standing about a meter and a half away from us is Isan, the lead singer of Emperor, one of the most influential guitarists in prog metal at the moment, let alone black metal or other heavy subgenres. And he's there exactly like us, maybe not as pissed, but losing his fucking mind, acting like a kid because he's seeing 
Judas Priest. And it's just amazing that even if you're one of the most influential in one of the maddest bands, like, of all time, you can still geek out and go full nerd overseeing Judas Priest at a show, headlining a festival. Uh, so we went up, we said hello, thanked him for the set, and everything was all good. It was a really sweet, really pleasant moment. Uh, just to share with one of my personal favorite musicians of all time. And just a little bonus story since I have a little bit of extra time. Uh, this one goes back to 2015, seeing Heck, who at the time was still Baby Godzilla, performing with Zoax at the now-closed Alfie Birds in Birmingham in the Custard Factory. Uh, this was in mid to late November, I think. Alfie Birds had already put up all their Christmas decorations. So Zoax played their set, absolutely smashing. And of course, Heck come out. Matt and Johnny start losing their fucking minds. They're climbing the climbing their amp stacks and jumping up into the rafters of the roof to play the songs and scream down at the audience. The Christmas tree gets absolutely battered and destroyed. Baubles thrown, decorations smashed. It was fucking chaos. And it just, every time I think of that gig, it makes me smile because it was just pure madness in the best possible form. And I've never seen anything like that level of insanity since. And that's that for me. Um, I miss live shows. I miss seeing my friends. I miss partying. I miss being in sweaty rooms filled with people screaming at the top of their lungs. So hopefully 2021 can bring more of that back to us. Alright, cheers. It's Sneds from the Head Scratcher here. So my gig story is from quite a few years ago when I went to see Hasey Dixie at Mishulu in Aberdeen. I went along with uh, my good friend and co-host on the Scratchcast, Mr Grant Patterson. Um, so during the show we were both quite drunk and excitable and Grant, while trying to give me an overzealous hug, managed to knock my glasses off my face and into the middle of the crowd. Um, we managed to find them afterwards. Well, I say we, but I'm extremely short-sighted so couldn't really help. But of course, the lenses were smashed to smithereens. Um, I mean, the band were great, but I left the gig on a bit of a downer. So fast forward to a few months later, and we were both pretty excited to get tickets to see Les and Jake at the very same venue. Um, again, we both got quite merry on adult beverages, and in the middle of a pretty rowdy crowd, Grant jumped in, sent my brand new pair of glasses flying off into oblivion, and my immediate loud and very angry response was, fuck's sake, Grant, not again! But just as soon as I'd said it, he turned to me with a cheeky grin in his face, having miraculously caught my glasses in between his two fingers. I basically went from wanting to punch him to wanting to kiss him in the space of three seconds. Um, the band were bloody excellent too, so it just made a great gig even greater. So anyway, keep up the good work with the podcast. Oh, and that cover of Ruben's Freddy Krueger that you did with Matt from Haggard Cat and a bunch of other awesome artists is brilliant. More of those, please. Catch you later. Let it get